0: Welcome to Fashion Your Seatbelt, your first class seat to one-on-one conversations with the fashion industry's top voices. I'm Jessica Michaud, and I created this podcast to share the joy I have in getting to know all the amazing people who bring this creative, inventive, and extraordinary business to life. You'll get to hear the cadence of their voices, the sound of their laughter, and feel firsthand how passionate they are about what they do. Also, I just want to remind you to leave a review. Stars are really trending right now and it helps other very stylish listeners like yourself find the show. Now buckle up, and let's get started. Michelle Ali is a fashion aficionado who has elevated the concept of a collector to a dizzying new height. The American Haitian-born jewelry designer and former fashion model literally walks the walk and talks the talk when it comes to her profound love of the work created by one of fashion's most avant-garde designers, Ray Karakubo. For decades, Michelle has not only collected, but regularly wears some of the most envelope-pushing pieces that Karakubo has ever created for her Comme des Garçons brand. Not surprisingly, she is an evergreen favorite for street-style photographers outside the shows during Paris Fashion Week. While inside the show venues, guests who are seated next to Michelle are often in for quite an experience as they try to coexist with her often voluminous, three-dimensional Caracubo designs. Let me just say that the smart fashion PRs know to always seat Michelle at the end of a row. However, for Michelle, wearing Comme des Garçons isn't about attracting the attention of others. Rather for her, wearing the clothing is a very personal statement. In particular, she connects on a fundamental level with the pieces that exaggerate or deform her body when she wears them. They speak to her own body image issues and have helped her become more accepting of her own natural curves, a subject she struggled with during her time as a model. Die-hard Comme des Garcons fans are in luck because Michelle has finally decided to fling open her closet doors. On April 3rd, the opening of the Life Doesn't Frighten Me, Michelle Ali Wears Comme des Garcons exhibition will take place in Frankfurt, Germany. There, 50 pieces of the over 70 Comme des Garcons garments that Michelle has collected over the past 25 years will be on display for the fashion-loving world to enjoy up close. And the always-inventive Michelle is not letting the global quarantine stop her from sharing her exhibition. She will be doing a virtual tour of the exhibit so people around the globe can see it in all its digital glory. Thankfully, the exhibition is open until August 30th, which should give fans of Michelle and Ray's work plenty of time to make the trek to Germany. I had the pleasure of speaking with Michelle during the most recent Paris Fashion Week and I was enchanted by her story and also blown away by her pure dedication to fashion and her passion for Comme des Garçons. Michelle, I am just so excited to finally sit down and talk with you because I have been a fan of yours forever at the shows, seeing you go to the shows. Your passion for fashion is
1: unparalleled, I think. Yes. Um, well, Jessica, thank you so much. I'm super excited for this opportunity. Actually, very honor. Um, as well, because i follow followed you over the years, mm. and I didn't realize that you lived in Paris, though. I yeah. imagine that you lived all the time in the States.
0: Well, I feel like I live on an airplane, but yeah, yeah. Paris, Paris-based, yeah. for is, sure. Yeah, it'd be more special, so <laughs> I'm very excited. Well, um, let's go back to the beginning. Can you talk to me a little bit about what got you
1: enthralled with fashion in the first place? I think it all started because uh, my mother was very fashionable, mm. and um, I think we get some kind of seed planted very, very early on. I think we all started fashionable. Somehow, because, you know, you get dressed, your parents dress you up for church and for communion ceremony, visiting family and, and, and occasion. And then somehow when you start deciding for your own self, you know, either you take the route of fashion or you take the route of fashion. Mm-hmm. And I think I've taken that route from the beginning on for my mom because she was very, very strict about, you know, every occasion has its dress, and you always dress the part. Hmm. And if somebody gives you an invitation, you take it seriously and dress the part. So she was very, very strict that I didn't go to any occasion not dressing the part. For example, if, you know, if it was a dinner or communion or even for Christmas, so we all had a dress. Uh, my brother had a suit, and we all and even for traveling, getting on the flight, she was very strict about it. you know that really? even for on the flight. Yes, and I, and I became the same with my kids.
0: All right. So, what are the travel? There's a particular outfit you have to wear for travel. yes, I do
1: think uh, first impression is a lasting impression. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think if you're going to go to, you can take your travel and your sweatshirt if you like to. But you never know. If you dress apart, you get upgraded very much quicker. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. So, what's your tra- what's your go-to travel <laughs> outfit then? I want to know so, if you're dressing apart. Uh, so, I've worked many, many times, and trust me, um, I know it. Because it's the inside. My sister-in-law works for the airline. Um, you don't get upgraded randomly yeah if they you know if you don't
0: look the part of somebody who should be upgraded yes interesting so it's you know kept secrets but it works (laughs) so but then tell me okay so it's one thing to love fashion and be and grow up with a uh, with a mother who really understood you know dressing the part for the different
1: occasions etc was Mm -hmm. your mom always well-dressed like yes my mom was always well-dressed uh she loved shopping Mm -hmm. she loved jewelry I do remember when we first came to America, you have to say that, like, I was born in Haiti, grew up in New York, came to America at the age of six or seven, and I do remember my mom going to Macy's and Bloomingdale's, this was the shopping streets that she would go, mm-hmm. and we would go every, let's say for the um, new year, you would have an outfit, mm-hmm. so you could you go shopping for the New Year, for Christmas. You had your Christmas dress, you had your New Year dress. Mm-hmm. And then for school, la rentrée, you had your outfit as well, you had your shoes. So everything was really bought out for you. Mm-hmm. So she would have your looks for you for, because I went to public school, and then she would have your clothes for you for, you know, the school mm-hmm. year, Christmas, New Year's, occasion, convenient. And, and, but there was always a dress. It mm-hmm. was always a dress. There was always a dress with the shoes. We wore ribbons in our hair. I mm-hmm. remember going to school mortified. Because I was very young, so I would take off the ribbon. Uh-huh. As the soon corner. as mom was yeah. As soon as you're away yes. from mom's view, for and sure. And then my sister, my older sister, was also very much into fashion because she worked in retail. Okay. And then I remember working as well in retail just to make extra money here mm-hmm. and there. And so, and I used to always steal my sister's clothes because she had better clothes than I did. <laughs> and um, you know, go around the corner, change it, go to high school, and then when I come back home. Change back to my regular clothes and tried to do my hair the way my mother did my hair impossible to do it but I think she figured out that I was you know changing my hair changing my look when I go to school because I had to fit in
0: yeah I no I know it, it fashion is such that it's that first thing that kind of when yes. I you know you, repare, you, you you kind of mark who you know is dressing how and then maybe those are people that you could connect with on yeah. a different level because you're seeing how they dress but I mean Let's be honest, you dress in a way unlike anyone else today. I mean, you wear a lot of amazing Comme des Garcons pieces, yes. amazing Junior Watanabe or um, whatever, uh, Maison Margiela maybe is a better answer. How did it move from what you learned growing up, dressing the part, dressing the occasion, to how you dress now, which is not dressing for the occasion, but really dressing almost for yourself? Yes. There's no, it, it, it really is, every outfit you wear is a
1: statement. Yes. It's, not, it's not for fitting in. No, exactly. I didn't fit in in high school. Okay. That was very, very clear uh, because of the way I dressed. Mm-hmm. You know, because I was taking my sister's clothes and she had a, definitely a different wardrobe for the age that I was going to high school. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really fit in. So I fit in with the boys because I had more boyfriends then. Mm-hmm. Not boyfriend, but boyfriends. Were you like a tomboy then? Were uh, you dressed more masculine? Yeah, no, though? I was actually dressed not tomboyish, but I was just dressing more grown up, I think. Okay. In a way. So I didn't really fit in. So I didn't really have a lot of girlfriends Mm -hmm. in that sense. But I knew that was okay for me because I didn't really... It wasn't something I needed in my Mm -hmm. life at the time. And I didn't really need to fit in. Because I knew I didn't fit in, so I didn't need to fit in as well. Mm -hmm. Because at home was a different story. So when I was in high school, that was a different story. When I got home, I would be the Haitian girl going home, very quiet, right? you know well behaved but outside my house was like you know the lion's den and so I knew that from very very beginning and then when I started to work in fashion which was retail I was now discovering clothes that I did not know before existed Mm -hmm. and then so and then when I was also very interested in fashion because I was and grew up in New York then I would go down to Soho there was Matsuri which was amazing there was also Womyojili mm-hmm. on Fifth Avenue, which was amazing. And there was Yoji Yamamoto, downtown Soho. That was where Soho didn't have now. They did had Yoji come, but then they had the galleries, and then there was Matsuri, and then there was also Jili, and then there was um, Paul Smith. Mm-hmm. So this was the area of the fashion I would start to discover. It. And then come also came as well. Mm-hmm. She had her shop and Rooster Street, which became Barney's mm-hmm. later on. It became Stephen Killian, Stephen Kelly Barney's. Mm-hmm. And so I really was searching anyway for a long, long time for something else alternative than I'm normally Mm -hmm. used to see. So I think dressing the part has already begun quite early. It's just that it exploded when I start to start buying my own clothes, which Mm -hmm. was like maybe 95, 92. 92, '92, because I bought my first piece of designer piece. I remember I had a campaign. And then funny, I found this picture for Maybelline. And then um, I remember I got X amount of money, and then I like, all oh, I went down straight to come shop. I think I must have blown like ten grand. But this wait, was super wait, 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 step back, step back, step back. So you, tell me how you made this money. What, so this was your first, my first uh, beauty campaign. I found a picture. I'll show to you. Yeah, it was, it was a beauty campaign. I did for Maybelline because I was modeling. Okay. So, um so I went to fashion as well modeling.
0: Well, so yeah, so then you, so you were doing retail like your sister, yes, and then and, I was and then modeling. you and then you were discovered for modeling. Yes,
1: I was discovered. I actually wasn't that discovered for modeling. Oh. I walked into a modeling agency. Why am I, I not did, surprised? Yes, I did a lot of testing mm-hmm. because I wasn't the height. And then you have to remember the time I wanted to model, it was the time of Naomi. Mm-hmm. And then you had Veronica was coming for and liar Yeah. Beverly Pills was coming in. So there was no space for another black girl. Yeah, you got girl. one. Yeah, exactly. They got one. But it's, it's not even about that. It's just that the market wasn't then. Ready. Now, ready mm-hmm. like it is now. But I knew that I wanted to be in fashion, and I wanted to really model, so I would do a lot of um, test shots, and then without these test shots, I would create the clothes,
0: oh. I would get all the
1: flea market, I would remake the clothes, and I had extensive library of um, Italian Vogue, this was my bible, my Italian Vogue, and it was the time of Christy Turlington, the supermodel, Stephen Miserable was shooting, everything, everything, it was making these pictures that I wanted to dream, and wanted to see. And so I went to flea market, our submission army, and bought these clothes and remade them and rebeat them and create these looks. And then I had, lucky enough, I met a great community of photographers who was willing to test with me mm-hmm. because I could do the picture that they had in their mind. That they explain explain what you mean by test for those who might test, not so know. Testing means that before, uh, it's not like today. Um, when you wanted to be in with the model agency, they were so Could you have pictures. So you yeah. have open casting. hmm so, within open casting, you would come with a book. And then you wait, and then they would look at your pictures, and then they will come, you know, you go to the next level. Yeah. So, Elite had open casting. I knew I wouldn't fit Elite model. But I went to an open casting, the agency called Boy Girl, which is a very strong agency at the time. Because it was boys and girls agency. Mm-hmm. And they took models that were not the traditional model. Um, you know, tall, beautiful, very luxurious, not the elite model, but very strong models. And yeah. they were quite successful. Okay. They would be equivalent to next now mm-hmm. today. You know, but they were boy girl and it was in um, not in Soho, it was in Hudson. And they were really, really strong agency and they have a very small group of models, but they were really powerful. Mm-hmm. And I got accepted with them. Okay. So prior to going to Boy Girl, so I had to do a lot of test pictures. So was this a way of uh, you doing test pictures to create your book or was this also yeah. a way when you had friends who
0: were photographers, but it was also a way for them to create their book by having photos with you. We were doing you.
1: both of them together. Both
0: of them together, yeah. right. Because they were
1: starting up and, yeah. and they're now big photographers. Yeah. You know, they are now getting the recognition that they need to do and we go way, way back because mm-hmm. they were also starting. Mm-hmm. So we did, st- and also with makeup artists, we were all testing. So I was the model, they was the makeup artist, hair, makeup, photographer. Yeah and then stylists, mm-hmm. so if we're lucky to get a stylist. But know. otherwise it was you creating was the looks. It was me creating the looks mm-hmm. and making it. And I did extensive yeah. research and creating looks and makeup and hair,
0: mm-hmm.
1: night and day in front of the mirror, practicing wow. practicing my pose, practicing my look, and practicing the angle, because you know you had to give a certain angle. Because then modeling was a different uh, way of modeling as well. It was not that natural, you know. Let me take a picture like you're in the beach. Girl. Yeah. It was more like, Stephen myself, hair makeup, wig, eyelashes, a whole shebang. And then creating these amazing iconic pictures. Yeah. That gave you like dreams. you were like, oh and the models were bigger than life, you know. Yeah. And night and super. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um my favorite was always Linda. Yeah, me too. Oh, Linda. She transformed Me too. Beyond. She was a boy, she was a girl, she was a woman, she wasn't a woman. She was red hair. She was I know changing your she hair all like, the time. I know. Ah! And every time she came, she would have me screaming in the pages.
0: She was Instagram before Instagram, you know what I mean? Yeah, like she just you know, always changing, always updating, always yeah, she, Linda. Was,
1: she was just, and she still is. I like the fact that she she gave me the picture, you know, she gave me what I was looking for. She mm. like and I think photographers like Steven Mizel. And Stephen Klein at the time Stephen Klein as well. Still Stephen Klein is amazing. Yeah. But then you had Avedon pictures. Oh my god, Scavulo. Yeah, Scavulo's stuff. And what, was it Tien her. from L? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what the real modeling was. Yeah. That's what the dream pages were like gagging me. I was like, oh! and we were waiting, I and I didn't have much of a budget, but I would spend money on magazines. Mm-hmm. I was my my Italian Vogue was like twenty bucks. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's, a, it was it's so a, expensive. So expensive, you know. And then French Vogue, by the time you buy Italian Vogue, French Vogue, American Vogue, then you have all the other magazines like mm-hmm. Interview, W, and all the other magazine plus the unknown magazine coming from Europe. Mm-hmm. Purple was like this size. Yeah, like a block. Yes, yeah. and I was buying that too, you know. So because it,
0: that was all pre-Google and all of that, where everything was at your fingertips, you really had to do the research. You really had to yeah. be dedicated in that way. And so you said then your first big gig was with a
1: Maybelline shoot, and that you yes. Yeah, so I did. Uh, well, I worked quite well, mm-hmm. and I did a lot of photography for editorial, but editorial didn't pay. No, editorial does not pay. So it was one hundred and fifty dollars for the day. <laughs> I don't know if they changed the rate, but I think that's probably, probably the, still the same the, rate. The same day. rate. <laughs> yes. And so your money made strictly from catalog Mm -hmm. and from campaigns. And I was lucky enough to do both, actually. Okay. Because I was very photogenic. And and I was always very happy in the picture. And the American market, they like happy girls, Mm -hmm. you know, smiling, which I still do. I like to smile. And Maybelline was, and I had clients as well. You know, I had my clients that always booked me extensively. Um, There's a great department store um, in Chicago remember name they've always booked me extensively mm-hmm. um and but they they knew that i did editorial but they also wanted the the beautiful commercial side mm-hmm. so here was i doing the major editorial book and then of course i had to um, do the very beautiful white shirt laughing smiling i, I could have a lot of stuff yeah yeah but, but i could do both and mm-hmm. that was really really great You're versatile so then i got the maybelline mm-hmm. and i did that job it was amazing i remember it was a, quite a bit of money for me at the time and then once I got my paycheck, I went to come. So and why come de Garçon? Tell me because more. I why was, is it Cum de Garçon? Because I was always looking at the shop, um, mm-hmm. going in there, looking around, and being fascinated. And I was like, oh my God, when I have money,
0: I'm going to buy me a piece. Mm-hmm. And, but what um, is it about Cum?
1: Tell me. Because it was intriguing. It was something that I didn't see before. I loved the aesthetic of the shop in New York at the time. Okay. So it was pretty minimum you know, um, there was no clothes in the window, so you would have to walk in to see the clothes on the rack, and I don't even think they even had mannequins, they didn't hmm. have mannequins in the window, so you would come in, and then you have of sort of furniture, and the distribution, the way it was done, so it was a pure architecture, so architectural language was already reading to me directly, mm-hmm. as well, because I was very curious as well, besides fashion, I was like using and design, architecture, and music. And there was no music at the shop. You would walk Mm. in, it was quite quiet. Mm -hmm. And the salesperson, they always were also very well-dressed, you know, because of course they wore the looks from the shop. So they had a certain aesthetic Mm -hmm. that I liked very, very much. And I would walk in there a couple of times, and, you know, of course you've got the price tag, then you're like, oh my God, okay, okay, I can't afford this right now. uh, (laughs) I'll do a payment plan, yeah. And that was really, and... Yeah, in nineties. Mm-hmm. And again, like you said, there is no payment plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to pay it exactly directly. And then you know, I didn't have a credit card at the time, so I couldn't like just say, here's my credit card taken and then worry about the payment later. Yeah. You know. So you really had to come up with the cash and to pay for the piece that the single piece that you could actually and I so, thought, what was that?
0: What was that first single piece? You're like, okay, I am going to. You yes. Know. So
1: it was from 19. I think if I date back very quickly in 1992, it was an all-white piece, and I still have it. Mm. And um, it would be in my exhibition.
0: So yeah, it's we want to talk about that. It's yeah, a men's
1: suit, mm-hmm. and then she put a dress over the men's suit. So if we look back, yeah, she was already dressing men with women's yeah. clothes way back. So she put the suit. Very nice tailored white cotton mm-hmm. suit, which was destroyed by my cleaner in Cologne. Um, that's another story. Yeah. And then there was a dress over it. And that's really, really beautiful. So I have that piece. Um, oh my goodness. Then my second piece was um, the body mid dress, my body mm-hmm. uh, piece that I got from CAM. And then it became more and more and more. But I always looked every season when mm-hmm. I could afford to buy. Is is come oh. the would you say of
0: everything that you own? That's your your biggest purchase. Is the most yes. you have is from Kondigasong.
1: It's mostly from Kondigasong, yes.
0: And have you hung out with Ray? I mean, are you? No, no, no,
1: no. Um, Actually, I was very lucky to just meet her last um, season.
0: Really? Yes. Oh my god!
1: So meeting your idol. I mean, what was that like? It was very short, mm-hmm. and it was backstage at the last show when Adrian said, "Would you like to meet Ray?" And I was like. Don't ask me twice. Me? me? Really? Really? She goes, yes. It would be nice if you meet her. And I was like, oh, oh my God, opportunity for a lifetime. So, mind you, I'm wearing a dress. I cannot use my hand. I was about to ask you what you were wearing <laughs> when you met
0: her. It was hey. one of the company guest where yes. you're
1: at. Yeah, mm-hmm. The white cloud. I call it, you know, my white cloud dress. I call it my mozzarella dress, mm-hmm. my cheese dress, my ever dress. It's the dress I could not use my hand because there is no hand. No, there's no hands. But then, lucky enough, in Japanese uh, traditional culture, you don't shake hands. No, thank goodness yes. you, you kneel, ha, you, you bow. But there was a very nice moment um, at that moment, because he was like, Ray was introducing me to um, to come, and he says, hi, Ray, this is Michelle Lee, Michelle Lee, this is Ray, and then I see she made a movement mm-hmm. that looked like it could be a handshake, but then I made a movement as well, and I was like, no this doesn't happen. And then mm. we both look at each other because Vanessa is like, can cannot use my hand? We both look at it and had a smile, yeah. a small laugh and because she realized, oh, maybe I create the dress you cannot use your hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect Ray yes. dress for meeting Ray. <laughs> She's like, I cannot, you cannot use your hand. So that was very, but it was a really magical moment because, you know, all the years I've gone to Fashion Week and I've always dreamed, oh, what it's like to go backstage mm-hmm. and to see the whole, to actually to see the making of getting dressed, mm-hmm. the makeup, the hair, that I dream about it. And then mm-hmm. um, he was at like, the fun moment to see it last minute. And of course, all the big fish in the sea of fashion was there. Yep. And so I waited for my turn. Of course, my dress was so massive that I didn't want to be rude. Yeah. So I waited to everyone left. And then I went to meet her. But it was really just like a few seconds. Mm-hmm. But it was a few seconds that, that I laughed, she laughed. And that was perfect because it came what it's supposed to do. The dress did what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing you can't really say. Except, yeah, and I said to her, you know, beautiful collection, but I think you already know that. So mm-hmm. she must loved that. Why do you think I'm going to say, oh, an amazing collection, Ray? Right? It's like, yeah. She doesn't even want to hear it. She rather would want to hear, it's a horrible collection. I'm not going to, I don't like that one. Then she would be like, oh, maybe this is interesting. You know yeah. You? So I knew that she doesn't like praises. So mm-hmm. I, I just said, you already know. So mm-hmm. there's nothing else to say. Mm-hmm. You know, nice meeting you. Nicely mm-hmm. done. Nicely done. Enough. Well, talking about meeting you, you
0: make an entrance, when, you, especially with all the outfits that you wear, you know, when you come to Couture, you come to the shows. Talk to me, how do people react to you? Because, okay, first of all, I know that, that sometimes people must see when they see that they're sitting next to you, like, oh, God, I'm not going to be able to even sit down. Yes. But, I mean, what's it like also on the street? Because you're walking, yes. you know, like, so the other day you were wearing one of the uh, Karakubo's bulbous yes, in the side, kind of your so whole body, and with beautiful. a, with a,
1: with a, Dinosaur backpack. Oh, that was so beautiful. That was so poetic. So mind you, this look, I bought it already down last season to wear it. Yeah. And I didn't wear it. And I bought it this season as well. And I was not going to wear it because I had a different outfit I wanted to wear. And then I woke up and I decided I was going to wear it. Because I think every dress has its moment. Mm-hmm. So I tend to buy it and not wear it because it's the season. And it's quite cliche. It's quite boring. Yeah, I
0: hate wearing yeah know. the designer to the designer show yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Yeah,
1: But then I I thought, okay, it's couture, Mm -hmm. right? So I have to have a little effort, Mm -hmm. besides my regular ready-to-wear clothes. (laughs) And what better way to start the couture than to start with Ray, you know, and uh, and that piece. And what was amazing about that piece, I bought it because it had a lot of issues for me that I was also challenging
0: uh, my entire
1: life. You know, because, you know, like I said, I was modeling, Mm -hmm. so I wasn't tall enough, Mm -hmm. and I also was very rounded, so Mm -hmm. I have a little bit of bum, and I have hips, Mm -hmm. uh, because of my nature, and so this was something I fought all my life, to reduce... So oh. that piece for me is very special. Yeah, because it's I, so exaggerated. It's so that, exaggerated. Yeah. So it's for me coming in peace with my body, mm-hmm. coming in peace with my hips mm-hmm. and my bum and all the areas. And then when I became to have kids, yes, those parts were even more ex- exaggerated. Yeah. So the deformation pieces are really very close to me because it's something that I'm completely related to because I feel like in the fashion world or where I, the world we you know work with. It's completely um, occupied by, you know, slam, beauty. Size zero. Size zero. Then yeah. there's what happened to the people who are not that size. Yeah. And what happened to the women who are plus size or the woman who has the stomach, who has the bulges? Mm-hmm. Do we discard them as well? Mm-hmm. Um, do we don't look at them? Do mm-hmm. we say, oh, you know, or deformation? Do mm-hmm. we put them in the corner and say, ah, I don't see it. So it, it's not. doesn't bad, exist. It, yeah. it doesn't exist. So all these pieces are quite present for me because they are giving me they're giving me a piece mm-hmm. of something I've been fighting for such a long time. And now I realize after having kids, you know, as you're getting older, your body is changing. You become more, about it. more in peace with it. Yeah. And that piece is great because then you when you come in peace, you're completely rounded mm-hmm. with your own body mm-hmm. and with your own mind, your own self. So that's very powerful mm-hmm. and that piece. So when I decided to wear it was it created a lot of amazing Um, attention because as I step out of the house there was a bunch of kids going to the metro and I they loved the dinosaur bag to begin with that was really playful and because again what bag would you wear with this
0: yeah no the dinosaur a dinosaur attached a backpack to that was
1: pretty perfect yeah Yeah. and I bought this in Tokyo Hmm. when I visit Tokyo and um playfulness on this first of all, you cannot carry a bag. Yeah. Second of all, what do I do with my phone? Mm-hmm. What do I do with my money and my wallet? Yeah. You know, and my battery pack. And, and and So, the dinosaur was perfect. And then, so, and the next thing was, um, when I stepped out of the house, of course, uh, there was a very funny moment because people actually see you. It's exactly what they do. They So, if you're deformed and you're a certain shape that they're not used to, they pretend like they don't see you, hmm. right? But then when they do see you, they look twice, mm-hmm. you know, and some laugh, which is expected, you know, and some was quite um, intriguing. Some were, not only smiled, they were like, oh, this is different, you mm-hmm. know, and some people had some conversations with me when I was in the subway, um, they were walking behind and you could tell everybody was taking a picture because yeah. you can hear the clamor, click, click, yeah, click, yeah. click. So you was like a freak show in mm-hmm. a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it wasn't a friction in the negative way, but it was a friction in a beautiful way because they were not used to seeing something of that shape yeah. and clothing. But I do believe that was not abnormal to be honest, because women used to dress like that. You know, if you look at the ages of sixteenth century costume and dresses, the, corset like the was very the corset tiny. and the yes, bustle on the sides. Exactly yeah. that. She just took it another level.
0: So I see that there's a personal side to it with the, 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 you know, your own issues about your size and your shape, etc. But I mean, it does, it does draw attention. Do you like the attention or is it more about challenging people's perceptions? No, actually,
1: I don't really, it's not that I, I like the attention because I don't really care. Yeah. And I do it for myself. Okay. Really. so, but I do feel like if somebody, for example, working in this exhibition now. Yeah.
0: We had the fabric. Um, Wait, so you, tell me, let's, let's take a, a beat. And so
1: tell me about the exhibition. It's launching when? It's April 2nd. Mm-hmm. So I'm having my 25 years of collecting Côme de Garcons. Mm-hmm. So it's really my wardrobe going in an exhibition in Frankfurt at the MAD Museum, so Museum of Ply Arts nice. in Frankfurt. So what's, they will open on the 2nd of April to okay. so the end of August, August 30th. What's nice, what I wanted to say was yep. is the, um, the fabric specialists yeah. and the museum people that came to work on the exhibition. Yeah. So they were... Um, measuring the clothes, they were examining the clothes, they were taking photographs of the clothes because they have to put everything for their own father in the museum. She says something really amazing. She says when she, after she finished, uh, because she came to measure the clothes because they have to order boxes to fit the clothes, they have to pack them Mm -hmm. um, in the next two or three weeks. And she says she went shopping and her perspective completely changed on clothes. Huh that's interesting and that's what she does Mm -hmm. so for me it's not about me getting the attention it's not me you know it's just if you just have a different perspective Mm -hmm. however good or bad it's a different perspective Mm -hmm. and I think this is interesting that you start seeing clothes could be what should be could be or is or is not it's just different from a different angle I only believe that's, for me, the conversation that's more open. Mm -hmm. It's that we start saying, this is different. Does that mean it's good? Does that mean it's bad? It's just different. So you make your own statement from that.
0: So tell me then a little bit about what this experience of putting this exhibition together has been like for you, because you've been pulling out your pieces. You've been reliving them, looking at
1: them again. What's that been like for you? It's been amazing. I mean, I've learned so much. From this oh, so. exhibition because um, now I understand what it means to build up an exhibition, mm-hmm. the, the, the different layers. Um, and also you have to understand a um, museum is different than me wearing the clothes is one thing and mm-hmm. now they're going to a museum. Mm-hmm. And, and, and how that, do you want them to be displayed? How do you want to project yourself through the clothes, through, through the come together? What's amazing about this um, exhibition, the museum has now done all the mannequins on my face Oh, wow. And then they will do all the mannequins on my skin color, mm. which is quite a little bit tricky to do because you will never get exactly the same. So it will be a little bit of an illusion of a darker skin color. So mm-hmm. it won't be exactly, but it will be a different shade because it's going on fiberglass and they won't get exactly the same. So, what's amazing about this exhibition is that I've learned over the course of now six months or seven months what it means to now take a collection of piece of clothing that I enjoy wearing it every day yeah. and now take it to an exhibition and then doing a profile for it for an exhibition but there's a lot of layers of that oh my god it's not even it's not the same thing as fashion because it's a complete different you know institution mm-hmm. so you have you know you buy the clothes you wear it it hangs in your closet yeah you know you look at it you close it but now with the museum The clothes are being preserved, Mm -hmm. they're being cleaned properly, stored properly, Mm -hmm. cannot have any light whatsoever because the light would destroy the clothes. Even the lighting in the museum cannot be too bright, they Mm -hmm. have to have a certain special light to protect the clothes, Um, certain temperature as Mm -hmm. well. And um, even packing and shoulders, normally I was hanging clothes on regular hangers. No, nope, we have to create hangers. Oh, they must them. have been scandalized. Yeah. And you're like,
0: Yeah, it's just over here and hanging on yeah. this wire hanger in the back. And even yeah. when they were
1: packing the clothes, they wore gloves. It was like, Oh, just, just throw it in the floor. like, No, 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 no. Because they just take the fabric so seriously. Seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Mm-hmm. But for me, the experience has been so tremendous because I never imagined. This would go for me—a passion and a commitment mm-hmm. to this incredible opportunity of a lifetime. Did
0: they come reach you and ask you to do it, or did yes, you so reach out
1: to them? And what no. made you decide to say yes? So what happened was um, a very funny story. I'll definitely go into the detail because it's quite important. Uh, when Ray got her exhibition uh, when at her at the Met 2017, yeah. uh, I wanted badly to go. So understandable. Understandable. So. Again, we must be very, very clear. They do not give me any clothes. Mm-hmm. I do not get special treatment. Mm-hmm. I do not get invitations. I do not get, like, they don't dress me, no nothing. Mm-hmm. So this is very, very clear. So for me to get an invite, I didn't expect one either. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Just because I'm a Ray fan and I'm seeing wearing Come de Garçon. So in the press... Everyone already thought I would be going automatically. Yeah, because everyone associates you to exactly. such an extent with the with but I'm cum. not associated at all in yeah. a sense. Like I'm not a brand ambassador for them whatsoever. Yeah. So that's clear. And so I didn't expect as well an invitation, but I asked for one. Okay. Yes, but I asked it late, mm. a month before. So late? Yes, because I took me the guts to ask for it. Mm-hmm because I didn't get right. it because, why you
0: seem like such a selfish yes. woman who really knows what she wants in the world why would you and you have a relationship with the house why would you no because I think
1: there's something you don't step too much okay. over the boundaries okay you know like for example I don't want them to do me a favor mm-hmm. and also I don't want them to put in a position to say no mm-hmm. and then me to getting a no and then it becomes a thing yeah because it's just, yeah. It, it should be obvious <laughs> Is okay, it? yeah, 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 yeah. And if I, if I didn't get it by the month before the exhibition, that means we were not going to get one. Yeah. So then I asked for one. Mm-hmm. And then, um, then it was said that, you know, Anna Winter decides on the ones who attends. They would send my request to uh, Vogue, mm-hmm. but they think it's a bit late. Their table is already complete, you know, but I could come to the party. Mm-hmm. This was from the message from the PR. And Mm -hmm. I said, I don't come to New York for a party. Sorry. Mm -hmm. So I did not go. But it's okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, then again, these things don't affect me because I really believe that it should have been the right... It has to be the right a situation, like in the right energy field, mm-hmm. like if I get an invitation, I'll gladly go. Yeah. And if I wanted to go without the invitation, I'd do that, but I didn't feel at that moment mm-hmm. confident to just go and show up. And I didn't want to, and actually I naturally didn't want to perform, mm-hmm. you know, and ex- and be expected to. So the dress that I met Ray in, mm-hmm. it was the dress I was going to wear. To the mat. To the mat. Okay. So when I didn't get the invitation, mm-hmm. And I decided to wear this dress randomly. Mm -hmm. So I met her in the dress. I decided I was going to meet her anyway. It was meant to be. So it was really beautiful. And then that was even more personal for Mm -hmm. me. Yeah. Because I had a proper introduction. Yeah. And however short it it was, it was more intimate Mm -hmm. than if it was at the Met. Yeah. You know, because the Met is this whole thing. and And then, you know.
0: And then, so from the Met and that situation to your own presentation of your own collection, how did that come about?
1: So I started um, um, after the Met happened in 2017, and I realized, seeing the Met, that I had quite a bit of a collection mm-hmm. in, my, in my closet. Yeah, you're like, what am I going to wear to the Met? So, yeah. <laughs> so I decided I would put an exhibition okay. in Cologne, during Art Cologne, but mm-hmm. I would do it only for the people in the area of Germany, if they could come, that didn't have the opportunity I had, going to the shows getting the clothes, buying the clothes, wearing the clothes, or even seeing the clothes Mm -hmm. in person on the runway. And then there are a few fashion schools in North Western which is the the northern part of Germany. Mm -hmm. And I called them up, I sent them an email, I said, I'm having this presentation, I would like for you to school to come with your students. Maybe they would like to see the clothes. They can try it, they can touch it, they can see it, they can take it off the mannequin. And I did that, and it was by personal, by appointment only. Mm -hmm. And I did it for one month. Mm -hmm. And they came, and I gave a talk, and then they got to see the clothes. They could open the clothes. They can see it. They can try it. Um, They can touch it. Because they were students of fashion, and I felt like they needed to see. If they did not see the Met, I didn't see the Met as well. Because Mm -hmm. by the time it went May to September, it was like, if I didn't make it to New York before July, I was on vacation. I would come down then it would be gone. Yeah. So then I decided that if they didn't have a chance to see it, then they could see at least some of it mm-hmm. in Cologne. And they came, and they saw the collection. And then I documented. It was until that point that I realized I had a collection. So I photographed it, because my husband was like, okay, we need to call the insurance company. <laughs> Did your husband not realize after all these years? that you? No, he did not realize. He knew I was wearing the clothes, but he didn't see them all together. Because when the night before we set up the show, we ordered 25 Mm mannequins, we realized we needed at least 25 more. Wow. So I ordered the next wave of mannequins, and I didn't see the clothes on the mannequin prior to the opening Mm -hmm. because I was busy fixing something else because it was Art Cologne, and my house was being uh it out for Art Cologne mm-hmm. uh from gallery. So I was busy getting that done. And yeah. then my friend Andy Sabat, uh, who worked as well at Dover, did the installation for me. Mm-hmm. And he came in and then at two or three o'clock in the morning the night before, he says, I went up because it was some two floor the gallery and I was like, oh the first thing I said like my husband can I come in here. <laughs> <laughs> He cannot come in here, and I have to find a way. He's like, you oh, he cannot come in here, you he cannot come in here. And then during the opening of like, I said to my husband, oh, you've seen the clothes, you don't need to go, don't bother, don't, nah, you have silly baby, don't go. don't go, don't go, don't go, you don't need to go. And then when he did see he was like, we need to call the insurance. <laughs> <laughs> what does he think about the way you dress? Um, he's actually really, really, really amazing. Mm. Because, you know, prior to going to Fashion Week, the first couple of seasons, he was getting always you know, um, text a message like, have you seen your wife? You know, have you seen your wife? He goes, yeah, I've seen her, you know. And uh, funny enough, you know, he did a very funny, I have to show it to you, uh, I will send it to you. He did a very funny play because I had my fundraising dinner mm-hmm. uh, last um, Last Thursday, no, last Friday. Fundraising dinner for? For the exhibition. For the exhibition. Uh-huh. So the exhibition is called Life Doesn't Frighten Me. Perfect. And Michelle Lee West comes coming also and then my husband by three o'clock in the morning we went back to the hotel we're having a a, a a champagne with my cousin and my family and then he did a funny video he put on my hat he says, "My wife does not frighten me <laughs> <laughs> Good Which for him. I like him already. Which is weird. I just want to say, I don't frighten him mm-hmm. wearing the clothes. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So he took it very fast. I mean, we need to make a new slogan. My wife doesn't frighten me. <laughs> Get know? the t-shirt Ooh, made. Get the t-shirt. You know how many husbands would buy that t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually true. You should yeah. put
0: that stuff up on Etsy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah for my sure. My wife
1: doesn't. As I said, on the opening night, we were like, that post, my wife does not frighten me.
0: That's perfect. So, Absolutely no, have to do that. No, but he's
1: really amazing. He's really, really amazing. I mean, he's an artist himself. Mm-hmm. So he's into fashion design, architecture, and art. So what's amazing about it is that he does it, sometime when he's a little bit unsure, you'll be like, oh, baby. That's when I know he's unsure, Mm -hmm. you know. But I don't really care, you know. You're sure, you're sure, that's all that matters.
0: (laughs) Well, let let me ask you this then. I mean, it's a a question I've been asking a couple
1: of different people recently. Do you think that fashion is art? Um, No, I think fashion is fashion, but it can cross over explain. So uh, I think fashion takes a lot of inspiration from art and mm-hmm. itself. So but there's two different medium. So art is art and art is a lifetime work of an artist working into and, uh, you know, finding their path and their ways. Uh, fashion is um, every six months, mm-hmm. so it comes in, it goes in, it goes out. You know, certainly fashion can have some art influence, but mm-hmm. um, but I do believe in the art part. You mean maybe the craftsmanship? Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 artisan.
0: Yeah, the artisan, you know, artisan, yeah. And the
1: artisan. that's art. Yeah, you know, but I wouldn't say fashion is art. I do have I do understand fashion has an influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, art has an influence on fashion, or yeah. fashion has influence on art. Um, but I would separate them. Okay. You know, definitely.
0: Yeah. Definitely. I don't know. It's so interesting because I, when I when I first I had that question posed to me, I was like, of course, fashion is art for me. I, I'm thinking of couture and I'm thinking of how it inspires and all of that, but there is that commercial side to it, the, the, the regeneration every six months. Yeah, but and also
1: um, the art market has a very big commercial side. I mean, all these art fairs. Yeah, very Honestly, true. Uh, do we really need them? <laughs> it's <laughs> almost like fashion, but you know what I art week, yeah. You know, Seriously, month, yeah. You know. and so you
0: talked about your husband and how you know he, he you're not a, he's not afraid of you and what you wear. What about
1: your kids? How my kids have been extremely, extremely amazing and extremely wonderful. Uh, my older son definitely, he's definitely you know along with me because um, he's also experimenting a lot, dressing all the time. And sometimes I look at them, my husband says, oh, "We both created him." You know? <laughs> Look, it's always like the hair is changing, the looks is changing. I was like, oh god! But at least we say youth, youth. He has to discover. He has to discover. Yeah. My middle one is a little bit more quiet when mm. it comes to fashion. Um, he likes everything simple, mm-hmm. black, uncomplicated. You know, comfortable. It's almost like a Steve job, almost like wow. like sneakers, comfortable, black. He only likes black and very simple shape, comfortable but Mm -hmm. good quality. He doesn't like anything fast fashion, which is very strange for his age. Mm -hmm. He doesn't like to buy it. And and my little one is really experimental because he's always interested what I'm wearing. He's like, can I try that? Can I wear this, mama? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, let me try that jacket. Let me try the hat, you know. Wait,
0: wait, wait, wait. Three boys? You have three boys. I have three daughters. Oh, my God. Three boys. boys.
1: Yes, but they all have a different... They understand it. They see it. They appreciate it, you know. I'm very strict with them when mm-hmm. it comes to um, if they're buying a brand that I think they shouldn't be buying because of the the aesthetic, how they make it mm-hmm. or how they invest their money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very tough on that with mm-hmm. them in one way. Um, sometimes they don't like it so much, but I think it's important that they understand that certain things you shouldn't invest in because how it's made. Yeah, fast fashion, fast for example. Fashion, yeah. exactly. They're quite good, actually. And I think you shape from the early on. So I think they're getting an early shaping.
0: Yeah, it's better to uh, spend more money and have one great, you know, coat or one great that will last you years, you know. Exactly. But then tell me this. I mean, a lot of your pieces are such statement pieces. I mean, how do you rotate that in? Like, you have the... The, the dress where you don't have any places for your armholes or whatever—it's that that when you talk about consumption, I
1: mean, you you wear them often? Do you yes. do you rotate them? Yes. How do how do they live? Some of them I haven't worn them mm-hmm. because I really believe every dress has its moment. Yeah, you know, and time. So I would buy it because I'm in awe and love with the dress, and then then I would have to certain dress I have to prepare myself to wear it. Really? Yes, because um, I would not be able to use my arms. I would not right. be able to sit. Um, I wouldn't be able to fit into the taxi or in the car. I have to be very careful where I'm going. And I also have to think about the person next to me. Yeah. I've you seen know. you be
0: moved from different, yes. when you go to shows, they like, the, <laughs> they I would think by this point they would know to put you at the end of, an, yes. at the end of a
1: row. That was actually really brilliant to be honest. Because, yeah. um, when she did show me my seat and I said to her, no, no, no I don't think I can fit in. Yeah. because I actually like standing. Hmm. I do like standing because I can't fit everywhere Mm -hmm. and I can see the clothes, but I like to sit next to the photographers Mm -hmm. because then I can see really the clothes. Yeah, that's what I like to do too, yeah. Exactly. So if I'm standing where it's a swamp of phones in front of me, I cannot see the clothes. So uh, when I'm wearing this type of clothes, I don't mind um, um, standing. It could couture, there's no standing. Nope. So so I have to sit. So when they put me in the seat that they did put me, which is a really great seat, but they didn't realize I was going to come with like, a, s- a dress that I, was think, I don't know seat. why they wouldn't have realized that, but okay. <laughs> and then it was move and then they were really generous enough to move me to a corner. Yeah. So I could only occupy a seat next to me. Yeah. And then but the girl who sat next to me she was also very generous <laughs> and very kind. And she was like, no I don't mind. It actually looks stunning. And then, so my hips was falling yeah. on the other yeah, side. Yeah, she was. Yeah, so she had one, one your hip. boldest <laughs> hip on top of her legs, and the other one out and yeah, yeah. Out into and that the... was really brilliant. And uh, what was amazing about that seat, I'll tell you why. Because you know my show is coming, and I have no one I've known about it except you. I've told yeah. and maybe one other person. Yeah, and then Vanessa Freeman is sitting in front of me, so I ra- I got up and I went to her and I said, by the way, Vanessa, because Melina Josephine. Uh, is leaving um, T magazine. yeah, and Melina was the one that did an article in the New York Times and she knows I'm doing. I'm collecting also come back on. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to write her an email mm-hmm. prior to leaving, and then I realized on Friday on her Instagram she says, it's my last day at the New York Times. Ah. So I'm like, okay, that doesn't work anymore. I would not know, yeah because now she has a baby and then I'm sure she's taking some time off. And, um, so I just got up and I went to Vanessa Freeman and says, I'm having my show. And then says, I don't have any contact to Molina anymore mm-hmm. because she's leaving. She goes, yes. And I, I said, I would like to send you a PDF file of my exhibition. Mm-hmm. And she goes, oh, it's so good that you're wearing come. I love that. Yeah. You know? So it was the seat that they originally gave me that yeah. didn't fit. And yeah. then when they put me in this corner. Perfect. It's always the same. It's yeah. always the same. So the universe the perfect, provides. Yeah, it's always the perfect moment. Mm-hmm. So, and that was really funny, because when I wore that dress, um, or the dress with the sculpture, somebody says it was a skirt. Mm-hmm. Actually, Rick Owen says, oh, it's a skirt. And mm-hmm. I was like, I didn't realize it was a skirt. And
0: um, <laughs> You're and wearing it, and you didn't realize
1: it was a skirt? No, because I realized it's a sculpture. The yeah. whole time I say I'm wearing a sculpture, because yeah. it's shaped like a sculpture. Yeah. You know, it's fiberglass, yeah. and it's hard. Mm-hmm. And then when he says, oh, I like your skirt, I was like... Hey, this is good <laughs> so everyone perception had a different, is everything yeah. yep. and so everyone had a different perspective on that now the clothes are amazing in the sense that I do have this extensive closet of the come,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but sometimes they go in sometimes they go out mm-hmm. like for example I love the Blue Witch collection mm-hmm. you know, but I have to prepare myself where am I going to go how am I going to sit how you got
0: to have... think about what your day is going to be exactly. like
1: you know, and it's quite heavy, some of them as well. Mm-hmm. So I have to, it has to be a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not eight hours in one outfit. Yeah. It's, also, it's also exhausting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the closet takes a lot of planning, energy, commitment, passion, um, devotion, Just mm-hmm. just buying the clothes. You know? it's, so so then, but w- then I guess this, and I'm going to ask you my five generic fashion questions, but so why are you so devoted to come? Because it gives me what I'm searching for. Mm-hmm. you know inspiration different there is for me it's like it's always something but something that fascinates me mm-hmm. you know she somehow through her clothing she speaks the language that i want to dress myself mm-hmm. you know i'm also been always been very fascinated by the sense of women mm-hmm. because i think that in itself is it's just an act of choosing to be that for your rest of your life, mm-hmm. you know, to choose that this is where I want to be, mm-hmm. you know, um, for the rest of my life. I find this woman quite fascinating. Yeah, you know, sort of this—you take a role and you keep it for the rest of your life. I think this And is do you think,
0: and do you think when the, when you wear the clothing that it really draws the right people to you know, like they're going to be people who see you and are going to do you know, go to cross the street to make yes. sure that they don't cross your path because yes. they're like this person. But then, at the same token, when you're wearing one of these extraordinary cum outfits, when people do come up to you, those are the, also the kind of people you want to yes. connect with. Yes,
1: I think it, it generates the same energy. Mm-hmm. It you draws know? in the people it that you want to be connected a, to. You know, For example, I wore a black hood, mm-hmm. and I just went out to dinner. And this was the black hood made from the uh, Red and Blowsons collection, mm-hmm. which is a red coat that looked like an orange peel, mm-hmm. and it had a black hood. I did not wear the hood with that dress when mm-hmm. I wore it because the world was too focused on the really negative energy mm-hmm. so I didn't want to wear it because the hood represents a lot of like darkness yes it does right Yeah. so I wore it with a different hat mm-hmm. two nights ago I decided to wear the hood by itself by itself mm-hmm. just a black cape from yeah. Versace went out to dinner it was a really freaking really weird moment for me how so because everyone looked at me I was like a dog person because mm-hmm. the hood it was really because they couldn't see me yeah they just saw the hood and yeah the profile. it was very handmade it was tally. very yeah. dark mm-hmm. you know so I do understand that the energy of every clothes draws the, the energy is supposed to draw mm-hmm. and, and generate different energy mm-hmm. so I wore this hood and I was like oh. and then even the taxi driver when he took me he was like Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it's a hood, mm-hmm. you know. And then I had my um, dinosaur bag yeah. as well. And he says, I thought I was a dog. <laughs> <laughs> he was already afraid, the hood and the dog. I was like, oh my God, relax. <laughs> but it's funny because it generates an uh, energy. Yeah. It's an energy around these clothes. It's yeah. an energy of everything we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you say your energy Yeah, you put it out there. You put it out there by these clothes.
0: All right, let me ask you my five generic fashion questions to wrap this up. Okay, so what is – this is going to be hard for you, I think. What is your favorite piece of clothing that you own, the one that you cherish above all others? My skin. Oh, that's such a good answer. (laughs) That's probably the best answer I've gotten so far. That is brilliant. Okay, what is – you know, because – Couture and fashion is yes. expensive, and most people can't afford even some of their ready-to-wear designer stuff. But if you were to recommend to women or to men, if there's one piece a garment that you think that they should really invest money in, what would that be?
1: A Valentino Couture cape.
0: Hmm. I like the way you think. Okay. Um, what? Who? Well, I think I also know the answer to this. Um, which? Who is your favorite designer, living or dead?
1: Right now is Ray. Hmm. I do like Galliano. Very, very much. Um, I did like uh, Karl Lagerfeld yeah. for Chanel. Mm-hmm. Very very much. I do like Nicolas Gisquet when he was at Valentino. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Very very much. Um, I have a lot of favorites. I do like, of course, you know, I love Ray, so we yeah. don't um, no need to mention her. And so I definitely think, like I say, Pierre Balmain, this one Valentino, <gasps> yeah. divine happiness. You know, yeah, he, may, he celebrates women. He does. You know, he I celebrates agree. women. And so I like these type of designers. Right? The ones that
0: celebrate women. Yes. Okay. What trend will you never follow?
1: Hot shorts. <laughs> and high heels. Oh, yeah. I,
0: I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then my last question to you is, what do you love most about fashion?
1: It changes all the time.
0: Mm.
1: And it changes from season to season. But what's amazing that remains is the craftsmanship, mm-hmm. and the creativity, and the talent. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. This Thank was you. such a delight. Thank you. I've learned so much. Been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for this podcast. It's amazing. I love that. I'm gonna You'll come have... and
0: see your exhibition. I can't wait. It's yes, going to be fabulous. Be great.
1: You'll be really. And I'll give you a tour. Oh, I would love yeah, that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would love to. Okay, yeah. perfect. Super. Don't want to miss an episode of Fashion Your Seatbelt? No problem. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and click on the subscribe button. Then every new episode will drop into your feed automatically. No fuss, no muss. Believe me, I know. I'm Jessica Michaud.